We started a new series last week called Building Blocks. It's important to build a strong foundation if we're going to stand up in difficult and challenging times. And uh, our building blocks that we're focusing on this summer are listed on the walls on either side of you. The one we looked at last week was Biblical Proclamation, the importance of proclaiming God's truth from God's Word. If we're proclaiming anything else, we're not really helping folks because it's not the truth of God's Word. We looked at the importance of biblical proclamation. If you missed that last week, I'd encourage you to go and catch up with it, listen to it online. Today we're going to look at this topic of passionate worship. Passionate worship and that we must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Lord willing, I'm looking forward to next week focusing on sincere prayer sincere prayer, that our prayers are not just empty words that we just say or repetitions that we make over and over, but that our prayers are really us communicating with God. And there's a lot to think about when it comes to prayer. Some of these, you may think, well, I know a lot about it. And to be honest, I think about that myself when I come to some of these topics. And it can be challenging to even think about, well, how do you preach something? You want to maybe make it new or fresh or different. But that's not really what we need. What we need is to be reminded of the truth, the same truth that's the same, just like our God yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same, and we need to be reminded and challenged about that. Uh, The week after that, again, Lord willing, we'll look at compassionate evangelism. What does it mean to share the gospel, and how should we be doing that? I'm so thankful this week for a group of people. I know Kristen Muldrow and Michael Muldrow were leading this group, and I saw Gene at least here one day. I don't know if you were here every day or not, but uh, he he lasted one day. And then no, uh, but they, along with a number of others got to do a bunch of Bible clubs right in the neighborhood around our church this past week and saw several people trust Christ. Praise God for that and praise God for His Word going out. One particular location that we've been working at for a while, trying to be able to hold a regular Bible club. We've held some there on occasion at the Avenue Apartments over on Yale. And uh, through their ministry there this week, the office came out and said, can we get pictures of this? And would you come back and do this on a regular basis? And so praise God for Him opening that door this week through passionate or careful evangelism, compassionate evangelism, getting my words mixed up here. Then the next one we're going to look at is patient discipleship. As we grow to become like Jesus, we have the responsibility to bring others along. That's the Great Commission, right? Not just to grow in our own walk with God, but then to bring others, our children, our grandchildren, our our neighbors, our co-workers, others around us, even the body of Christ, that we would grow together to be more like Him. And that definitely takes lots of patience. And we do this all in genuine love. You know, we can, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about this, how if I have the voice of men and angels, if I could speak with great words, but if I don't have charity, if I don't have love, then it's just like noise. It's emptiness. It's, it's just a waste. And so love must undergird everything that we do. And then the last one, Uh, that we will look at this summer is this one of selfless service. That we would serve God and others 
not focused on serving ourselves. I think that's a good lead-in to what we're going to look at this morning when it comes to worship. One of the biggest problems, I believe, with what is called worship today is the fact that most people, I believe, when they come to worship, they're focused more on what they can get than on what they can give. Worship is not about you and me getting something. That's not the purpose for worship. Now, we often do receive wonderful things when we worship. But it must come out of a heart that's motivated by giving more than by receiving. The Word of God says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yet in many places, many times, even in our own lives, when we come Together to worship God, we often come saying, boy, I sure hope I get something out of that today. Or other times we'll sit down and say, well, what did you get out of the service today? Now, I hope that every time you come, you receive something from the Lord. But I want you to understand that the purpose of worship is not getting, it's giving. It's giving. And when we come with our heart first to say, what's in it for me, we will often miss what's really in it for us because we didn't come first to give, we came to get. We came to get. In October of 1977, this is a few years ago now, Maria Rubio was rolling up a burrito for her husband Eduardo's breakfast when she noticed a thumb-sized configuration of skillet burns on the tortilla that resembled the face of Jesus. Needless to say, Eduardo went hungry at that meal as Maria told family and friends and neighbors of the miraculous event. This happened, this is a true story by the way, it happened in a small town of Lake Arthur, New Mexico, 40 minutes south of Roswell. I'm sure there's no correlation there. And despite the braying of scientists and skeptics, the holy tortilla quickly developed a solid fan base. And this is true. By 1979, just two years later, over 35,000 people had traveled to visit, bringing flowers and photos of sick loved ones. Mrs. Rubio quit her job to attend full-time to the hastily constructed shrine of the Holy Tortilla in her home. And went away, she'd leave the door unlocked so that no one would be denied access. She mounted this relic in a wooden frame under glass, a puffy wad of cotton along the bottom, making it to appear as if the tortilla was suspended just inside the pearly gates. Now, in the wake of this first tortilla visitation, in November of 1977, there was a competing miracle tortilla that appeared in the skillet of a Phoenix housewife named Ramona Barreras. It was also the face of Jesus, this time accompanied by the letters K, J, C, and B, which Ramona believes stood for King Jesus is coming back. According to the Phoenix New Times in 1997, the Barreras Miracle Tortilla currently rests in a plexiglass box in a kitchen drawer. In March of 1983, 
housewife Paolo Rivera claimed the image of Jesus appeared on a corn tortilla she was making in Hidalgo, Texas. She created her own shrine of the holy tortilla. But in the meantime, the faithful still traveled to Lake Arthur, New Mexico to see the original. Mrs. Rubio eventually moved it to a small wooden shed in the backyard and years of merciless southwestern sun have heated and fried this tortilla over and over to the point where the image that you once might be able to make out now is completely unrecognizable. There's no signs that any miracles have taken place. There's no crutches left at the scene. So maybe this miracle has run its course. But Mrs. Rubio's family still was happy to open up the shrine for any and all visitors. Now, in late 2005, disaster struck. Mrs. Rubio's granddaughter took the tortilla to show and tell at her school and dropped it and broke it. So the shed shrine was closed and the remains were retired to a drawer in the Rubio's home. Now it seems crazy to us that people would worship a burned tortilla, a tree, the moon, or any other thing. But sadly, it's easier to find false worship in this day and age that we live in than it is to find true and authentic worship based on biblical principles. Although the Bible is very clear about to whom and how we are to worship, little genuine worship takes place in our world today. The theme of worship fills the pages of Scripture from beginning to end. In Genesis, we learn that man's fall came when he failed to worship God by disobeying the one command that God had given him to do. In the book of Revelation, we see that all of eternity will be consumed with the worship of the Holy One. Jesus affirmed worship as our first priority. When asked what the greatest commandment was, He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And in Exodus chapter 20, where we have the Ten Commandments given to us, the first four commandments all deal with the priority of worship. The first commandment says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. The second says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. The third, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Boy, just yesterday, I can't even tell you how many times I heard the Lord's name taken in vain. It just comes off of the tongues of most people so quickly. Why? Because it's just an expletive. It's just another word. It's just something we say for emphasis or effect. But, my friends, may we be careful to ask God to give us strength and grace to not take the precious name of our Heavenly Father in vain. And then the fourth commandment says this, Remember the Sabbath day 
to keep it holy. God cares deeply about our worship. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, this place where they would gather together, it was designed specifically and solely for worship. The arrangement of the camp of the Israelites was to make worship the priority. If you go back and study there in the Old Testament, as they were out in the wilderness, when they would set up camp, they would set it up in a giant circle with each of the 12 tribes extending out from that central place where the tabernacle was erected. Why? Because the worship of God was to be central to everything that they did. And it's wonderful because the worship of God was made accessible to all 12 of those tribes. You know, through Jesus Christ, it is possible for all of us to be able to come before our Heavenly Father and to be able to worship Him. There's no difference now between Jew and Greek because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. We all have access to worship Him. The burnt offerings, the incense the special restrictions on priests, even down to their clothing, were all for the purpose of giving proper worship to God. I think I could safely say this this morning, that the purpose of your life, the purpose of your life and my life is to worship God. Romans 12.1, Paul writes, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what does he say? A living sacrifice. It's worship. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's not asking too much of us to worship Him. No, remember, worship is not about us getting, it's about us giving. He's not asking too much because He's given us everything. Yeah. Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to Psalm 100. The topic of worship, we could really take texts all throughout Scripture, but I want us to focus in this one this morning. I was challenged a couple weeks ago by Brother Ron when he spoke, and he said, don't just give him a handful of sand, give him a baseball. And so I'm going to try to give you a ball that you can catch this morning and take home with you and remember... But there's so much that could be said on this topic. Let's read together. Would you read this out loud with me? Either follow along in your pages of your Bible in your lap or on the screen behind me. Let's say Psalm 100 together. The Bible says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. What's worship? What is worship? Worship is your response to the presence and power of God in your life. If you don't have God's presence in your life this morning, 
You can't worship Him like you should. If you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not prepared to worship the Lord. Worship is a response. It's something we give, not something we get. Passionate worship, I want you to notice first of all is this, it must focus on the right person. Because there's a lot of things today that look like worship, that feel like worship, might even sound like worship, but they're not worship. Not true worship anyway. They, they are worship, just not worship of the right thing. Because true worship, if we're going to be a church that says we passionately worship, then we must focus on the right person. Go back with me to the psalm that you just read. I would encourage you, I did this in my Bible. I went through and I underlined all the places in this psalm where it tells us who the person is that we are to focus our worship. Notice in verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The Lord. You know, this word for Lord here, this is in all caps in your Bible probably. Do you know why that is? Because it's the name Jehovah, which is the great I Am, the God who is, who was, and who is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is God. He's Jehovah. He's our focus. He's the person we must focus our worship on. Look at verse 2. Serve the Lord. There it is again. His name mentioned once again. At the end of verse 2, come before His presence. His presence. We can come together in this church building, but if His presence is not here, we've not worshipped Him. We come into His presence. And then look at verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, the Lord is God. It is He that hath made us. We're talking about the person that we are to worship. Look at the end of verse 3. We are His people. The Lord's people. We belong to Him. We belong to Him because we are His creation. But you know you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you also belong to Him as His child. As His child. So we all belong to Him one way or another, but you either belong to Him just as a created being, or you can this morning. If you know Him as your Savior, you can belong to Him as His child. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Not our pasture. It's His pasture. A lot of people out running around trying to build their pasture. Make it look. No, sheep don't, don't build the pasture. It's the shepherd's pasture that he leads the sheep to, like Psalm 23. He leads me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. This is another one you might underline. Enter his gates. His gates. I'd like to think of it this way. This isn't my church, it's His church. When I come through these doors, they're His doors. We come into His house. We come together to worship Him together because this is His place. But can I say this as well? The Bible tells us in the New Testament that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
People say, well, this is my body. It's my choice. No, it's not your body. It's his body. Therefore, it's his choice about what takes place in your body and with your body. It's his body. Enter into his gates and into his courts. When you come before him, you're coming into the presence of the almighty king of the universe. His courts. And then it says, be thankful unto him. I underline that one. Him. All of these pronouns and all of these nouns that speak directly to who we are to worship. And bless his name. His name. This isn't to bless my name or your name or just to lift up the name that's on the sign out front. No, we're to lift up His name. His name. Why? Because the Lord. That's our focus. He's our focus. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth. Do you see how the focus of our worship, the right focus on the right person is contained all throughout this psalm? You can't miss God in this psalm if you're reading it at all. He's in every single verse. So what is worship? Well, worship, as I said a moment ago, it's your response to the presence and power of God in your life. Let's go a little bit deeper on that. Worship, to worship, is to ascribe value, to put value on something. What does that mean? How do we ascribe valuable value? Well, we demonstrate value of someone or something by how much attention we give to it. I mean, if I ignore you all the time, am I saying that you're valuable to me? No. Hey, men, if you ignore your wife or you ignore your kids, are you saying they're valuable to, them, to you? No. You heard about the guy who said, well, I told my wife I loved her when I married her. And if it ever changed, I'll, I'll let her know. No, we have to pay attention. Why? Because they are valuable to us. In the same way, if we are going to worship God, we must give Him the attention that He deserves. It's by the attention we give to it, by the money we give to it. How do we get, show value for something? Listen, how much money do you spend entertaining yourself? You'll see how valuable entertainment is to you. How much money do you spend feeding yourself, right? You'll see how valuable it is that you take care of the body that you have and make sure it's fed with all kinds of good things. How much money do we spend taking care of our health needs? Probably a lot. I mean, the medical costs are through the roof in our country. Why? Because our body is valuable to us. Life has value. And I'm not saying you shouldn't eat or that you shouldn't take care of your medical needs. No, not at all. I'm just saying this is what it means to ascribe value to something. By how much attention you pay to it. By how much money you give to it. So how does that look if we are to be worshiping the Lord? Is He just something that we worship when it's convenient? Or is he someone that we say, no, I'm going to put aside this other stuff because I need to give attention to my priority, to my Heavenly Father. 
We live in a world today, especially in our culture, where we're caught up with so many other things. So many priorities are competing for our attention, our time, our money, our focus. But true worship, passionate worship, must focus on the right person. To worship is to ascribe value. But I would say this is also true. Everyone is a worshiper. Someone would say, well, I'm an atheist. Well, you're a worshiper too. You're just worshiping all the things that are not God. Everyone is a worshiper. You were created to worship. Because you will spend time, you will spend money, you will put effort into making things seem valuable. It might be yourself, it might be your family, it might be some other pursuit. And I saw this week with these boys, we had so much fun fishing. You know how easy it would be to worship fishing? Now, maybe not for you, but for some of these boys it would have been easy. Hey, we don't want to have to go to another service and hear the preaching. We're having fun fishing. Fishing is an easy place to worship. Man, you worship the fish, you worship the nature, you worship all the beautiful things out there, you just worship the fact that you get time to yourself and it's quiet. It's a blessing. It's special. But it should never take the place of our worship of God. It's easy to worship your family. Man, our families are special to us, aren't they? The people that God has put into our lives, aren't families really an amazing thing? It's kind of crazy. Families often are the people that you fight with the most, but you love them the most at the same time. And they're the hardest people for you to get along with. And yet they're the people that you'll have their back at the end of the day when no one else will. Families are an incredible thing. Families struggle because there's sin in this world. But we have a heavenly father who shows us how we can have the right kind of family. See, everyone is a worshiper. Our problem's not a lack of worship. You're always worshiping someone or something. Our problem is we often have the wrong object of our worship. Friday night. I got a, a notification on my phone. Uh, isn't it great how we all are directed by our phones of what we're supposed to do? Now my phone tells me, hey, you, you normally look at pictures at this time of day. Or, hey, it's, it's your time to read the Bible. And so it's, open up your Bible app on your phone and read your Bible. Or, hey, when you plug in your headphones, you're normally listening to this sermon. It's crazy how much it knows. It's really kind of scary. So I figure I better be doing really good things because somebody somewhere that programmed that phone might know what I'm doing. You know the Lord knows what you're doing too. He doesn't need a cell phone tracker. He's God. He's everywhere. He sees all things. But I got this notification on my phone that the Astros were going to be playing Friday night. And uh, they had a thing on my phone that I got a, a free, I could watch the game for free. I was really excited about this because I don't pay for all the stuff to be able to watch the game. Normally, maybe some of you do, and that's fine, but uh, I don't have that right now. I, I'm paying for other things, you know, braces and food for children and things. My grocery bill is probably two or three times what yours is right now for most of you, and that just is what it is. It's okay. It's more important things, right? But I thought, hey, the Astros game's on. So we turned it on, and I was able to take my phone and 
mirrored up to the TV, and we're watching the Astros play. And if you watch the Astros play Friday night, they just blew them out. 13 to 3. 13 to 3. Hit a grand slam. We scored like eight, nine runs in the sixth or seventh inning. I can't remember what it was now. And Astros were just blowing them out, putting a hurting on them. And it was fun to watch. I mean, as a kid growing up in Houston, watching the Astros get beat all the time, going to the Astrodome and trying to get the wave to work, you know, going around. The Astrodome was a great place to do the wave because it was a round stadium. But often there weren't even enough people there. <laughs> There'd be like these big gaps of seats because nobody wanted to see the Astros play. And I remember you could go to Randall's and you get tickets for $2 and you go to the Astros game. And, you know, now, man, you can't even buy a hot dog for $2 except on dollar dog night, you know, and even then the hot dog's like this long. And my boys the other night, we went to a game a few weeks ago and they wanted to buy a hot dog. You can't even pay cash for a hot dog at the Astros game now. Now you have to like take your card and say, we're disappointed. Dad, we brought money to buy hot dogs. We can't buy a hot dog. And uh, crazy. But you know what? I thought about that when I was watching the Astros game. I thought, this feels a lot like worship. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 100. What's it say? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There was a lot of noise, a lot of joy, a lot of shouting, a lot of hollering, a lot of people really excited about the Astros, about the Astros. Serve the Lord with gladness. There were a lot of people there serving at the Astros game. They were serving to make it happen. They were serving food. They were serving drinks. They were serving all over the place, but they weren't maybe serving the Lord. They were serving there because of the Astros come before His presence with singing. You know, there was a lot of singing at the Astros game. Well, they stand up. Stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. They stand up and sing, take me out to the ball game. They, they, boy, we, we love to sing. Do we love to sing to the Lord as much as we love to sing at the Astros game? Come before His presence. Yeah. We're good at worshiping. The question is, are we worshiping the right person? I'm concerned as people today that it's not that we're not worshipers, it's that we are worshiping the wrong thing too many times. And I'm not telling you not to enjoy the Astros. I shouted at the TV like everybody else did. Man, we hit that grand slam. What's his name? I can't remember his name. The guy that hit the Grand Slam on Friday night. He always stands up to bat and he kind of bounces it off his shoulder a whole bunch of times. And Yeah, Brantley, and he always has a real serious look on his face. He never smiles. We were excited. It's not wrong to get excited about those things, but sometimes then we come and we say we're here to worship the Lord and we're not excited about it at all. Oh, another Sunday. Oh, oh it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, I'm too busy to read my Bible today. Oh, I've got too much other stuff going on. Oh, I have all these other priorities in my life. Passionate worship must focus on the right person. The truth is this, all of creation is commanded to worship the Lord. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. Even nature was made to worship the Lord. Day unto day utter His speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. 
All creation was made to worship the Lord. We're here to worship God, to bring glory to Him because He is worthy. James read it earlier, Psalm 96, 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. John 1 and verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, things visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him. Read those last three words with me. And for Him. That's worship. It's about what we give, not what we Worship. So passionate worship must focus on the right person. Once you go back to our text in Psalm 100 to see this as well, that passionate worship is the proper response to God's character and nature. Now when it comes to the Astros, you may like the Astros, you may not like the Astros. And that will determine whether or not you are going to cheer for the Astros, right? This week up at Camp Liberty, I had a lot of fun because... The guys running the camp are from Dallas, and they're Rangers fans. And so all week long, I said, man, did you hear this week that the Astros set a record against the Rangers on Wednesday night for two, not one, two immaculate innings in one game? First time ever in Major League Baseball history. If you ask what an immaculate inning is, it means there were only nine pitches thrown in the inning, and there were three strikeouts. And that happened twice in the game Wednesday night against the Rangers. With two different Astros pitchers, but this will make it even funnier, it was the same three Rangers batters in both of those two innings. Now, if you're an Astros fan, you're worshiping about that. You're excited about that. You're cheering and praising about that. But if you're a Rangers fan, you're disgusted about that. You say, get some different players on our team. What is wrong? See, again, as a kid, the Rangers always beat the Astros. But not anymore. Now the Astros whip up on the Rangers. And we like that. We enjoy that. If we're Astros fans. Here's the point I want to make though. All of creation is commanded to worship God. We live in a world today where just like Astros fans, there are some who are and some who aren't. There are some who worship God and there are some who do not worship God. But one of the big differences here is whether you want to worship Him or don't want to worship Him, as, as people, we are all commanded to worship Him. We're commanded to worship Him. It's a response to who He is, His character and nature. Notice verse 3 says it this way, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. See, Proper worship of God requires a proper understanding of who He is. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. God is not just a figment of your imagination. He's not whatever you decide He is or whatever I decide He is. No, God is who He tells us He is in His Word. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. To be God means that He is sovereign. He's the king. He's in charge over everything. 
The verse continues on to help us see better God's complete power and control over all things. It says, it is He that hath made us. He's our Creator. God is worthy of your worship. He's worthy of my worship because He made you. He made you. Do you think there's any... Does that surprise you then when you find out that one of the biggest battles for a lot of years right now in our educational system is where we came from and where we created or did we evolve? Why do you think that issue is so important? Because if you were created, then you have to worship God. If you evolved, then you can worship yourself. This isn't just a battle over educational styles or preference or what some would call science. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle for truth against lies. And you can either believe the Word of God or you can believe the Word of man. But the Word of God clearly says, it is He that hath made us. Some will say, well, that's just allegorical, and they'll try to explain away the Word of God. You can either explain the Word of God away, or you can believe what it says. God made me in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He either did or He didn't. And if He did, then that's part of the reason we worship Him. He's our Creator. It is me, He that hath made us, and we, and not we ourselves. You know, we hear sayings like all the time, well, He was a self-made man, or look what He built, or look what He did. Did you know there's not a single person on this earth today, or has ever been a person alive on this earth, who did it in their own ability without God allowing it and helping it to take place? A lot of people these days have been paying attention to what Elon Musk has to say. Because here's a guy who builds all these businesses and comes up with these innovative ideas. And sure, he may be very intelligent. He may have a lot of ability. But you know what? He was created by God too. There are lots of people who have lived and who are living who have lots of human wisdom and ability, but the Bible tells us that the wisdom of a man is just foolishness to God. Because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are past finding out. His knowledge is far surpassing all that we could ever have. He's made us and not we ourselves. And then he continues on. He, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So the Lord is your Creator, and as the believer, the Lord is your Father. We are His people. The Lord is your shepherd, the sheep of His pasture. Passionate worship is the proper response to God's character and nature. Who is He? He's sovereign. What is He like? Well, it says the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His nature and His character. God is good. He's worthy of your worship because He made you, because He's in charge of everything. He's worthy of your worship because He's good. He's good. And it continues on, His mercy is everlasting. That word mercy is such a rich word. It's packed with so much truth. Some have defined it this way. It's, it's like His steadfast love, His loving kindness, because it's mercy that's 
everlasting. It's everlasting. We can't even begin to understand what everlasting really means. I mean, at camp sometimes the boys and girls will buy these everlasting jawbreakers. And they, you lick them and they turn colors as, as you get through the layers because layer after layer and the candy's about this big. And I remember being a junior camp counselor and my junior campers on Monday buying these giant jawbreakers and they're just licking. They'd have, they'd have candy and sugar all over their face and they'd just lick and lick and they'd get about halfway through and it'd look like, you know, all, you could see all these layers of different colors and they were only halfway done. They'd lick and lick and lick, try to finish it. You're going to think this is gross, but it's true. I had a junior camper. He loved licking that jawbreaker so much, he made his tongue bleed. He, he just licked it and licked it and licked it, and it was just so good. He, he couldn't get enough. But you know what? Even that jawbreaker that seems to last forever, so much you can lick it until your tongue bleeds, it's not everlasting. Because if it was everlasting, they wouldn't sell them for $1.50 in the camp store. No, because those kids who were my junior campers 20 years ago would still be walking around. And maybe some of them are because they didn't finish licking it. But I guarantee you, if we broke it up in pieces and passed it out, we could get that jawbreaker gone Amen. because it's not everlasting. But the Lord's mercy is. Man, you think of the thing that lasts the longest that you can think of. I was... Uh, out, out this week at the camp and looking at all the beautiful trees and the beautiful grass and the water and all those things. I thought, this is exciting to think about this camp being built and it's growing and it's ministering to kids. This, this can last a long time, but it's not everlasting either. But then I got to think about the truth that the boys and girls were hearing, that they were listening to, that they were memorizing, that they were walking. And I thought, this truth just like God's mercy, it's everlasting. It'll change their lives and it'll change their children's lives and their children's children's lives. They'll take it with them forever. He's worthy of our worship because His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Some people think, well, Jesus has been gone a long time. It's been 2,000 years since He ascended back up into heaven. But you know what? His truth is still enduring for this generation. It's not over. Yes, lots of people are ignoring it. Lots of people have turned away from the truth. People are doing their own thing. But it's not because God's truth does not endure. It endures to all generations. Passionate worship is the proper response to God's character and nature. But my friend, let me just challenge you about something this morning. I can say it with all the intensity and force that I'm able to. But this response to God's nature and character is something that comes when you get to know the Lord. That's why he says here, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Because worship is not just something you can show up and other people can get you just fired up into worshiping just because everyone else is worshiping. And so then I'm going to worship too. No, true worship is a response 
to my knowledge of God, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, if you're not walking with Him in spirit and in truth, if you're not spending time throughout the week in His Word and in prayer, you're never going to be able to gather together and worship with others as you ought because you don't know the Lord like you should. And I think the more we know God, the better we're able to worship Him. There's lots of excitement. There's lots of things that happen. And I, I, I know I've been to school. I've been to the places we could, if we changed up the order of how we did our service, if we changed up the format of what took place on the stage and the things here and there, we could get a, a bigger emotional response. It's not hard to do. Just watch the Astros game. All I would need was somebody over on the organ going dun 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 Yes. You know, you go to the Astros game and there's always some old man sitting over in the corner and he's got this book and he's got his pencil out and he's usually wearing an Astros hat and he's just kind of tucked up in the corner. You know, that guy, he knows all the stats. He, he's keeping his book over there and he's just tracking things. He, he just loves it. He, he's sitting up in the upper deck and He's got season tickets and he comes by himself and he just shows up game after game and week after week. He's a wealth of knowledge. He, he's not always the one who shouts the loudest or gets the most excited because he, he's watching for something a lot bigger to come. And yeah, he gets excited over in his seat sometime and he kind of gets up and, and claps a little bit here and there. But when everybody else is singing, take me out to the ball game and this and that, no, he's just sitting out there. Why? Because he's not really interested in all the show and everything else. He just wants to see his team win. And he's excited about it. And he, he knows that team inside and outside. I can't even tell you their names, but he can. Because he knows them. And I wonder, do we know God like some people know baseball? Do we know God like some people know all the stats about everything when it comes to sports or activities? Do we know God like we know our businesses and we know our families and we know all this random information that we fill our heads with? Do we know God as well as we know the characters on our favorite TV show? Do we know God as well as we know the directions from here to our house? Do you know God? Know ye that the Lord, He is God. You can't respond to Him properly if you don't know Him personally. I want you to see finally this morning, passionate worship must follow the principles found in Scripture. Worship isn't what I decide it is. It's what God tells me it is. There's a lot of people, well, it's my, my, my worship. I worship God in my way. 
we should not worship God in our own way. We should worship God in the way that He tells us to worship Him. Well, just listen. There are some things in Scripture, and, and we, like He says in, in verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some people are a little more noisy than others when they worship the Lord. And I would say that's probably just you and your own response to Him. But if, if your worship of God, there's never any sound that comes out of your mouth, like you can't even sing, you can't say anything, then I would say maybe you need to let God work in your heart a little more. There, there's a reason to worship Him. Come before His presence with, what does He say? Singing. Singing. I know you may not be the best singer. You may not know all the words. You may be doing your best. And, and you might be hoarse and you might not be able to sing in the right key. All those things. But we ought to still come before His presence with singing. He loves to hear when we sing. There's a song that says God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing around you, when the fiery darts surround you and despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken. He says the circumstance is as awful as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. He wants to hear you sing. Because a heart that sings to God is a heart that is responding in praise that wants to give back to God because of what God has given to them. Passionate worship must follow the principles found in Scripture. I'm getting ahead of these a little bit. Worship the Lord in praise. Worship the Lord in service. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. So when we come together, when you go out in your community, when you're here, there, or wherever, when you get the opportunity to serve, do it to the Lord. Hey, Mom, that means when you're cooking dinner for your family, you can do it as unto the Lord. Hey, Dad, when you're mowing your grass and, oh, i got to clean all this up, you can do it as to the Lord. God's given you that to take care of it. Do it to the Lord. Do it with an attitude of praise to Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. When you get up tomorrow morning and have to go to work, and, oh, it's hard and I'm tired and I have all this going on, serve the Lord with gladness. Hey, everybody else is not going to come to work excited on Monday. No, because all, week all weekend long they spent worshiping themselves. And when they come in on Monday, it's not any more fun. But if you spend the weekend worshiping the Lord, there's a lot to be glad about on Monday. Praise God that I got the strength to go to work. Praise God that I have food for the day. Praise God that I have a house to clean. Serve the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord with singing. Already talked about that. Let's sing to Him. Worship the Lord as you respond to truth. Know the Lord, He's God, and then serve Him accordingly. So when you hear God's word, when it's preached, when you hear God's word, when you read it, respond to it. Respond to it. Lord, what do you have for me? I love what the preacher said here a few weeks ago. When we come to God's word, it's not just let me get something from God's word, but what can I give to God's word? How can I pay attention to God's word? How can I give time to God's word? He said, he made the point, if we would give to God's word as we should, we would receive what God wants for us. Worship the Lord in thanksgiving. Be thankful. A, th a thankful heart is a humble heart. 
be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Give thanks. Oh, give thanks. You mean for this situation? You mean for that struggle? You mean for this thing? Be thankful to the Lord that He's with you. Be thankful to the Lord that He's taken care of you this far. Give thanks. Too often we confuse worship with attendance. We can attend an event. We can attend a church service. We can attend an activity and it means we show up. But it doesn't mean we've worshipped. Worship is not just attendance. It's coming to God on His terms to give Him what we brought. In the New Testament, He talks about bringing our offerings to the Lord. He talks about coming together to bring our sacrifice of praise. We are to gather together to encourage one another in our walk with the Lord. Just attending doesn't mean you've worshipped. We often check the box. Well, I've done that. I, I've completed that. I made it to this event. I learned that one time when I was living in Kansas City for a short time. I got invited to a Kansas City Chiefs game. So I just got dressed. I think I had a polo shirt on and some khaki pants, and I went to the game. People yelled at me and cussed me out. I thought, what's wrong with these people? You know what was wrong? It was me. I wasn't wearing a Chiefs shirt. They were mad at me. How dare you show up just to attend a Chiefs game? We're not here just to attend. We're here to worship. And they do. And if you're not here to worship, then we don't want you here. That, that's what they were saying. I wonder when we come to church, do we come to worship or just to attend? Just to be there. Now, I want you to know, if you came here this morning and you said, attending is all I was, I was ready to do this morning, I want you to know that God loves you and we love you too. And I'd like to help you become a worshiper of God. Amen, my if those Chiefs fans might have treated me differently, I might have become a Chiefs fan. But <laughs> since they didn't, I didn't. And so I just want to encourage us as a church, too, when we come to passionately worship God, understand there are others who aren't there yet. And so we can worship Him passionately in spirit and in truth, but we ought to care enough for those around us not to beat them up because they wore the wrong color shirt or because they didn't come like we came or they haven't done it as long as we've done it and they don't know what we know. No, that ought to motivate us to love. Often the worshipers of this world get really angry at those others who don't worship like they worship. And as believers, if we're to do this in love out of a response to what God has done for us, then that means we even love sinners. We love those who are not worshiping like we're worshiping or we should be worshiping. 
True worship's when you come with the right heart and the right way to the right person. I don't have time for this, so I'm just going to move quickly. But can I give you some references, a little bit of homework that you can look up on your own at home this afternoon? I'm not going to take time to read all of these and comment this morning. But we have to be careful in our worship it doesn't, that it doesn't become like the world. We are not to worship like the world. In Deuteronomy 12, just write this down. I'm not going to read it all to you. Deuteronomy 12, verses 29 to 32. God brought great judgment on His people because... They changed the worship of God and they began to mimic the world in their worship. And God is not pleased with that worship. Worship's not what I, what I do in my own ability, in my own way. No, worship is me coming to God in His way Amen. and in what He's commanded me to do. I would also say another principle we learned from the Old Testament about worship is that worship based on just innovation is not pleasing to God. It's not for us to just, let's figure out something cool that we can do and call it worship. That happened in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. Two sons of Aaron named Nadab and Abihu. The Bible says they offered strange fire to the Lord and God judged them for this. You say, what was that strange fire? Well, it was strange. It was not what God had commanded. God had said, do this in a certain way. And they had it all prescribed out for them there in that Old Testament tabernacle and then later in the temple. And when they tried to come up with some new innovative way to do it, God judged them for it. Worship based on imagination isn't pleasing to God. Well, this is what I would imagine would be good. No, what does the Word of God say would be good? In Exodus chapter 32, verses 4 through 6, write this one down too, you can read it later. Exodus 32, verses 4 through 6. While Moses had gone up to the top of Mount Carmel to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord, while he was up there, the people thought Moses had died. And so they said to Aaron, make us gods. And so Aaron said, bring all your gold, all the things that you collected. And he put it together. And the Bible says he fashioned a molten calf out of gold. And then he told the people of Israel, he said, these be the gods. Did you catch what he was saying? He's saying this golden calf, this was the God that led you out of Egypt. Wait, wait. What about the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? What about the God who sent all the plagues on the nation of Egypt? What about the God who parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground? And then Aaron says, oh, no, this is, this is the God. Here he is right here. This is what he looks like. Why? This is what we imagine him to look like. And you know, that, that calf looked a whole lot like the gods of all the pagan nations around See, worship based on imagination is not pleasing to God. We don't get to worship God based on what we think He looks like. We must worship Him based on what He says, says He is like. And let me make one more point about false worship and give you one more passage to look up on your own. Worship for convenience is not pleasing to God. 1 Corinthians 12, 26-31 what had happened here in 1 Corinthians 12, or 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings 12, 26 to 31, 
what had taken place here is there had been a battle between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom in Israel, and they'd split into two separate. There was a civil war, basically. And if you know your Old Testament history, you'll know that God had established a place in Shiloh where they were to come and to worship Him. But Jeroboam, he was a pretty sharp thinker, and he was the king of the northern kingdom, and he thought to himself, he said, you know, if the people from the northern kingdom start going down to Shiloh to worship, they're going to leave my kingdom. They're going to end up joining with the south, and I'm going to lose my power as king. So he came up with a really good idea, a good idea from a man's perspective, a good idea from a politician's perspective. A good idea from someone who's trying to lift up himself. He said, I'm just going to build another temple, another place of worship. So it'll be more convenient. So the people from the north won't have to travel as far to the south. Worship based on convenience is not pleasing to God. And it's kind of scary sometimes in our world that we live in today, isn't it? Because so much of what goes on in the name of worship in our world is all about convenience. I'm not trying to pick on anybody today, but it bothers me when we live in a world today that says, hey, churches ought to have a Saturday night service because it's more convenient for people to go on Saturday night to worship. That way they can have all day Sunday with their family. My friend, this isn't about your convenience or my convenience. It bothers me when some churches are saying, how can we get the service as short as possible because people's attention spans so short. Let's just get in 58 minutes and get them out so they can go do what they want to do. That way we can get more people through here. I'm not trying to pick on you this morning, but worship is not about my convenience. It's not about how I can get in and get out and just get something for me. No. It's not about, let me just get my little pick-me-up for the week so I can go on out and do what I want to do. That's not worship. That's self-worship, but it's not the worship of God. I know, you say, well, you're picking on all the things that you don't do. Well, let me just say this. Would we only come and worship God if the air conditioning was working? I would hope that if the AC would go out, we'd still try to figure out a way to worship God. Because it's not about convenience. I hope that we would still worship God even as the gas prices go up and it gets more expensive to get to church. Amen. Amen. Well, it was just too hard. Listen, we all make choices in our life about what's important for us and what's not. This isn't just about corporate worship. This also happens in our private worship at home. Well, it's not convenient today to spend time in God's Word because I have all this other stuff going on. Worship is not convenient because it's about giving, not getting. It's not convenient to go shopping for someone else's birthday present. It's not convenient to cook and clean for someone else. It's not convenient to serve. Service, worship is not about convenience. It's about honor to those that we serve and worship. Worship, true worship, takes preparation. It takes effort. So why are we here? We're here to worship God. 
Not just why are we here in this building this morning. No, why do you exist? You exist to glorify God, to worship God. He's worthy. So think about a few questions with me as we close. Are you prepared to worship God when you come to church on Sunday? For some, that may mean waking up a little bit sooner on Sunday morning. For some, that mean, may mean laying out some clothes on Saturday night and spending some time in God's Word, turning, turning that TV off a little bit sooner and going to bed and shutting your phone down and just going to sleep so you can be rested and ready. Spending time during the week, making a priority to spend time in God's Word so that your heart is worshiping God at home so you're ready to worship God together. Are you prepared to worship God? Are you only worshiping God when it's convenient for you? For some, the worship of God is so far down the priority list in their life, it's when everything else is not busy and everything else is not going on, then... I'll worship the Lord. I remember, this is a few years ago now, I was discipling a man. He had come to me and he told me, Pastor, I have problems in my marriage. Can you help me? You always love those questions because, well, I don't know. I, I can tell you the truth, but uh, we'll see what happens, right? And so I began to take God's Word and I got one of those continue books that we use and I just started from the beginning, just started going through this with him. And after about three weeks, he said, boy, I wish my wife could do this. This would be really great for her. I wish she would read her Bible. And I told him, I said, you at home, just faithfully read your Bible and keep praying for your wife. And you can invite her to join you. But if she says no, don't fight with her. That's not going to help her. Just you do what you ought to do. And so he began to do it. And a couple weeks later, he came to me. He was all excited. He said, Pastor, tonight as I was sitting in bed, I was reading my Bible and I was filling out my Bible study. and I was working and I looked over and my wife, she reached over and she found her Bible and she began to read her Bible to him right then. I said, boy, isn't that exciting? That's so encouraging. Yeah. You know, as you worship God, it will encourage others to worship God with you. And it wasn't long after that he said, I wish that my boys wanted to follow God. Because I'm learning, I'm growing so much. And I told him, I said, how old are your boys? And he told me, I knew, but I just wanted him to say it. And one was 13 at the time, one was 15 at the time. And I called his name and I said, you know, for 13 and for 15 years of their life, so for their whole life, they've seen you not walk with God. And now all of a sudden, you're going to walk with God. I said, they're waiting to see if it's real or not. I said, but you stay faithful and keep following God, keep worshiping Him, keep walking with Him. And Let's see what God does in your boy's life. He wanted them to come to our youth group. I was a youth pastor at the time. And he said, I just wish they would come, but they don't want to come. I said, that's okay. That's okay. Just keep encouraging them. And so he'd bring them to church on Sunday morning, but they wouldn't come back on Sunday night or Wednesday night or anything else for youth group. And oh, we don't want to. And, and then finally the younger one came and he went to camp with us. About the third day of camp, Shandy got to lead him to the Lord. He got saved and... His older brother, you know, 15, he still wasn't sure about all this. Well, this went on. This whole process lasted many, many months. And um, there were a lot of little blessings along the way. This was up in Indiana where it gets cold and lots of snow. And one day I, it was snowing while I was at work. And Shandy calls me, there's a man in our front yard. What's he doing? And she looked out. and It was our neighbor, the man who I'd been discipling. He had the blade on his truck and he was out cleaning the snow off the driveway. And 
That was a blessing. I didn't have to shovel snow anymore after we lived there. Just getting to spend time with this guy. And he became a good neighbor to us. He lived right down the street. Well, so that oldest boy, one weekend, um, they weren't at church. And I got a call from him on Monday morning. And he said, Pastor, I'm so sorry we weren't at church yesterday. I said, that's okay. You don't have to apologize to me. I, you know, I didn't know if somebody was sick or something going on. And I, I wasn't going to bug you. That's, that's between you and the Lord. He goes, no, I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. And I said, oh, what do you mean? It'll never happen again. And he said, well, so we love to go to the monster truck rally. He said, the monster truck rally was on Saturday, and we went to the monster truck rally all day in Indianapolis. And he said, it was really late, and it went till late at night. By the time we got home, it was like a two-hour drive home. By the time we got home, it was super late, and we crashed, went to bed. And he said, I woke up the next morning, and my wife looked at me, and I said, we're too tired. We're not going to church today. He said, so we were sitting in our pajamas, you know, thinking, well, you know, we'll go to church next week. It'll be good. And he said, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, my 15-year-old son comes down the stairs, and he's all dressed for church. This is the one who didn't want to go, right? And he said, my son looked over at me and he said, Dad, aren't we going to church? And he said, God just smote his heart with conviction. He said, I looked at my wife and I said, we're never going to miss church again because it's inconvenient. He said, because this boy that we've been trying to point to the Lord, he is watching. And it does make a difference in his life. It didn't always feel like it when you're trying to drag him out of bed on Sunday morning, trying to get him to get dressed and get him to put his clothes on, get him to get ready and out the door and he's complaining and he doesn't want to do it and it's so hard. It's not convenient and you're tired and you don't feel like doing it. But he said he noticed. He noticed. And God used that in his life in a tremendous way. To show my friend that worship is a priority. That other people are watching, even if we don't think they are. And sometimes the ones that fight you the most on it are the ones God's working on the most about it. Sometimes the one that seems the most resistant is the one that God, they're under conviction and God's doing His work. Just give it time and stay faithful. Because remember... His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. I know there's so much more that could be said about worship, but I just want to encourage you this morning as we close in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to come and just spend some time in prayer to the Lord, just as a response in worship to Him, to thank God that He's your Father, to thank God that He's your Creator, to Praise Him for who He is and just take a few moments and talk to Him. If you can't get up here, then do it right where you are. But let's take time to respond to God this morning. If God's spoken to your heart this morning, you might be here and say, Pastor, I, I don't know Him as my Father, as my Heavenly Father. I've never really put my faith in Him. I want to invite you this morning to call to Him and trust in Him. He says, if you'll come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. I will, I will call, take all those who call upon me. And He says, I'll save them. You can be saved and you can know Him as your personal Savior. Let's take some time to respond and worship. I'll begin by leading us in prayer and then you take whatever time you need. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Lord, as we come to you now, I pray that 
it would be in a heart and a spirit of worship. Lord, worship sometimes is loud with praise. Sometimes it's behind the scenes in service. Sometimes worship is very private as we get to know you better. Sometimes worship is challenging because it's not always convenient. Because it's hard to be thankful for the various things that we face. But Lord, you are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of all of our praise. And it's my prayer this morning that we would be a people that worship you passionately. That our focus of our lives would be on you. Our priorities would reflect your priorities. That our time would be your time. That our money would be your money. That our energy, our mental capacity would all be used to worship you. That whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God. Lord, we love you. Bless the rest of this service now, I pray in Jesus' name.